Hello, I'm Robert Pallas, and you're listening to Cut Talks. Double G U double T. I'm just going to go back to one of the posts you had on uh, LinkedIn here. I'll say building great software product is hard. And you're mentioning the book but, uh, by Marty Kagan. And you said experiment and learn, understand customer needs, balance innovation and execution. Roadmaps should be flexible and adaptable. Cross-functional teams work collaboratively. I'm not going to read all of them. But each one of these is really tough because there are different levels of experimenting and learning for someone it might mean something for someone else something else understand customer needs this is also where i you know i work with lots of startups and i tell them did you talk to potential customers did you explore yeah we spoke to one we just tried to understand and it ended here for like kind of forever almost it's like no like you should always go back because it's always data that we need and we talk about data in different ways but it's what to do with the data here so what's your experience working with startups? Because I'm going back to what you were saying, which is something about, is this something we need to build and that should be built? How are the decisions made there? Did you manage to convince someone like, you know what, don't waste your time, don't waste your money because you don't really know what you're doing? I'm like 100% sure that I've convinced some people not to build. Okay. And in most cases, uh, it has come down to me uh, giving them alternatives to solve their problem. And this alternative might not be just a competitor that's doing exactly the same. It might be a slightly different route. But as you and I were both consultants, um, we we give advice. But the one who is uh, implementing it is uh, responsible of how they take the advice. For example, talking to the customers uh, when and if they are going to do it. And not everybody will find value in all pieces of advice that we give them. But the best part of my job is to sometimes tell them things that they haven't come up with by themselves at all. It might be obvious for some who have been building a lot of products, but for others who are maybe first time in the product building journey, or they have taken different routes to get there, building differently in the past, maybe with success, maybe without, then uh, for them to get this perspective, it can be very helpful. And I know you might be getting lots of projects now where it's like, yeah, and we use AI and we use AI, right? And we use AI and AI again. And AI is not really new. I mean, it's been there for ages. Uh, we've been using AI. I mean, I think pretty much everyone who uses a computer has been using AI somehow uh, in different aspects. And there's a difference between AI and generative AI. So... How would you explain the two from like your perspective, which is, and I want you to be technical, but accessible <laughs> here uh, to people who built or who want to build something in a small company or a big, big company. How would you differentiate both? You're totally correct that the AI has been building in the background way, way back in the 50s already. So the journey of uh, artificial intelligence it's not something that popped out uh, yesterday and now everybody's uh, crazy and excited about it. Yep. But there's one major thing that did happen was that that GPT made something that already existed and what was already used, the large scale language models. It made it super accessible for everyone. And uh, that could have not happened uh, 20 years ago or 10 years ago, not even five years ago. Uh, because one of the things that is involved in that process in training those models and making them accessible is compute. So we, we didn't have uh, the computing power 
to build so uh, complicated and powerful models and deploy them to be used by millions of people at the same time before uh, pretty much where we are today. And uh, the innovation here actually is still in the user experience side. So uh, people started finding it valuable. It started helping them solve all kinds of tasks. And that's the reason uh, why we are in this kind of AI boom at the moment. What's your uh, standpoint? Again, going back to Gen AI or like not Gen AI in, in that sense, when we talk about prediction? Uh, well, that would that would not be like a Gen AI task. That would be some yes, uh, yes. more basic uh, machine learning and uh, data task. For sure, uh, for machines to find uh, patterns in a large uh, set of data, they are much more efficient in that uh, com compared to humans. And uh, predictions is just that, to take uh, what has happened in the past and try to predict what could happen in the future. But uh, nothing is of certain. So, so the, our world is not built on certainties. So the machine learning models will just give uh, every event a probability score. Sometimes it's high, sometimes there may be a weak correlation in the data. And even if the probability is 95%, there's still a 5% chance that the opposite event will uh, happen. And we as people just need to take this uh, data and use it in the best way we can. Do you have any company in mind? Obviously, it's it should be some company that started gathering or collecting data a long time ago and building the algorithms around it. But do you have... Um, a company in mind that is succeeding in uh, their prediction models, any industry? Well, certainly like uh, finance is one that uh, has uh, created a lot of data all the time and the predictions have very high monetary value. So it's, it's like a race. Most of the trading these days is done by algorithms that are trying to predict what's going to happen next. But even more interestingly, I think it's uh, sports because sports has a nature of unpredictability, which is uh, larger even than the financial markets. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of effort put into uh, sports betting, for example, to understand where a match might go. And uh, if we talk about football, which is one of my favorite sports to follow, there's uh, 11 players on both sides and the dynamics of the teams might change depending on who they are playing. So uh, you can build very good prediction models, but the outcome might be still uh, super surprising for you. Yeah, that's, to be honest, I don't, I, I put it that way. I personally would not put my money on betting for a football game. <laughs> it, it's just, I, I just don't get it. If it's human prediction or if it's, uh, you know, AI, I, I just, as you say, it's, it's not, but yet, I think what people like is, the adrenaline and going back to the experience side of things, right? This is what they enjoy more than uh, anything. Not the, the results themselves are just uh, is tough. Do you do it? <laughs> Rod camera. Sports betting. <laughs> I have I have bet on sports. Yes, uh, my my software development career started in a gaming company, so we were building uh, software for online casinos. Oh, yeah, the, that a la large part of my experience as a consultant is also in that industry. So for sure, uh, I don't see anything wrong with putting in a bet. Uh, I haven't done it, to be honest, uh, for uh, quite a while. But when I am watching a game and I do have some uh, interest in it, I might just uh, throw in a 
it's just for fun, just to throw in a little money to make it even more exciting. So question, do you trust the algorithms or you trust your gut? Uh, I'm a gut-based uh, <laughs> uh, betting man if I, if, I, if I do place a bet. Uh, but at the same time, uh, when I was playing uh, fantasy football uh, back in the, like a few years ago, I did have a lot of software predictions as well. And I was modeling uh, different teams, how they would play against each other, what would be the expected score of one player or another. Or another. But that was like a game that is not played for money. It's uh, just bragging rights with your friends that you were able to uh, guess uh, what's going to happen in a Premier League game better than they would. How do you train a model? Just talk to a five-year-old, yeah, keep in mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the best person to really explain uh, training uh, like a model. So I'm not like an AI developer. So uh, that part, y- y- you would have to ask someone else to explain me like I'm five of uh, training a model. Okay. Ah, so you're so at the moment you're not... So are you... What is your role? Let's put it that way. When it comes to AR projects, are you more on the strategy side rather than the... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in most of the projects at the moment. I'm like in a product side. Okay. And uh, like uh, what is what is going to be built and how and the actual implementation details will go to other people. So I don't write too much software in my day-to-day. Okay. Unlike Jano, who does that over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jano definitely writes more software than I do. Okay. What is it that you enjoy the most? Because you started off as a coder and you're still in the space. Obviously, you're more on the product side, but on the technical product development aspect of things. In big buzzing technologies, basically blockchain and AI. What is it that you enjoy the most doing? And this can be like yourself or with your team or with uh, collaborators like external. I have always enjoyed building stuff. When I was a sole contributor as a software developer, I just took pride in the code that I'm able to write and the features that I'm able to put out there. But if you a little bit get more experience and you start managing teams, your output starts feeling larger because uh, when you put out the task and uh, then someone else might uh, implement part of it, you will just feel that uh, the scale of uh, contribution just uh, grows. Mm -hmm. And uh, then when you run a consultancy and consult different uh, projects and products into what and how to build, then uh, you can scale it even uh, further. So like, I feel that I'm contributing to a lot of different products and projects that are uh, building. And that's the, that's the main thing that the, the benefits that they bring to their uh, users, essentially, this, that's what we are in this game for. It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut. Gut Talks. This is the end of this episode of this segment with Robert Pallas. Thanks for listening and watch out for the next one.